Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The Incomparable. Number 653. February 2023. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I am your host, Jason Snell, and this episode is about a movie just arrived on Disney Plus after being in theaters last year. It is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Ryan Coogler returns to the Black Panther series. Another Marvel movie, but uh, I would say a different. The Black Panther movies feel like a different kind of Marvel movie to me in a bunch of different ways that we'll get into. Um, I've assembled... Most, not all, but most of the people who were here to talk about uh, Black Panther back way back in 2018, and uh, and then we have a sub, but that's okay because uh, it's they're all great. Let me introduce them to you now. Cicero Holmes is here, I believe. Cicero, perhaps that Black Panther episode was your first episode with us, although you've been on many since. Hello, welcome back. Uh, you know what? Thank you very much, Jason. Uh, I had uh, 2658 uh, encryption. <laughs> on uh when when i was doing it's that good. black Panther and you lost your password that's so, the worst part yeah but you yeah. just had to hack oh, yourself so and get that file back uh, lisa schmeiser's also here hello hello i have on my suit so that the uh fathoms don't crush me <laughs> that's good you get your abyss style <laughs> yes. environment deep deep dive mm-hmm. suit on that's good moises yes. chuyan also joins us hello uh, i'd prefer to be addressed as horned serpent god <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't we all? Wouldn't, wouldn't we all? And uh, and Kelly Gamont is our sub, uh, filling in for Micah, who was here the last time. Hi, Kelly. Welcome to the world of the Blank Panther. <laughs> I mean, your name is cool, too, I guess. <laughs> cool, cool, Khan. Cool, 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 Khan. Uh, well, kind of forever. So, okay. Ryan Coogler wrote a whole screenplay for this movie, and then... We lost Chadwick Boseman. Um, and I had this thought of like, well, I mean, are you going to keep making this movie? And they did. And he rewrote the script and he changed it. And one of the things that I think is most fascinating about this movie is how it tries. It's got to do a lot of different stuff. And one of the things it needs to do is mourn both Chadwick Boseman and T'Challa. And that's a, uh, I, I went into it thinking like, I don't know, (laughs) what are they going to do here? (laughs) Uh, and, and say what you will about the rest of the movie. And I, I like this movie a lot. Um, I, I am so impressed with how his death is handled with care and with love and that the movie makes space at a couple of points for the audience to mourn with the people who made the movies for the incredible talent of Chadwick Boseman, who was, that was on such display in the original Black Panther movie. Um, so th- that that's, I mean, the thing that is hanging over this movie from the very beginning is what do you do and how do you do it? And how do you 
recognize Chadwick Boseman while also doing a you know a, a giant big budget Marvel movie and and I think they I, I just every time I've seen it I've thought this is the movie making space for the audience and itself to recognize him and I think they did a, a very good job of it. That leads directly into uh, the, the majority of the topic of my opening statement. The the <laughs> scope of this story could have filled a six hour miniseries, but it felt better as something that was epic scale cinematic event that everybody was going out to the theater to experience, to your point about giving the audience space to mourn. And the thing that bugged me, uh, there were lots of hot takes out there. One of the hot takes was they should have just recast him. I don't think that that was fair, and, and not even getting to the audience, I don't think that would have been fair to the people who made the first movie and made this movie. I cannot fathom how how the, the, the people who made this movie would have been able to get through um, making this, um, much less finding an actor willing to take on, here, uh, just jump in place of Chadwick Boseman. Um, and I, I feel like the processing of grief as I've dealt with processing a lot of grief myself over the last year, um, I think making space for it and, and finding that way of telling this story and giving people a way to, in some ways, not just grieve Chad Bozeman, but many, many people that have been lost over the last few years. I feel like this movie helped those sorts of themes land more than a lot of the phase three end game, uh, so on and so forth stuff really let it hit home. It, it is unfortunate that it had to be the result of Chadwick Boseman's passing. Um, but I, I think it's, it's really one of the things that for me is most resonant about the movie is how artfully they were able to live their real feelings in a much realer way than actors usually do. Um, and as a whole production, find a way to do something that otherwise would be kind of a tough sell of, okay, we're going to make a big mega budget comic book movie and it's going to be about death, dying and grief. Yeah. Um, overwhelmingly. And it's going to be two hours and 40 minutes long. And it's also going to deal with incredible, uh, themes of tribal peoples, uh, being colonized and linking native peoples, uh, to, you know, uh, from the Americas that, that. Uh, tie in with a lot of uh, Latinx people's background. Um, and yeah, we're, we're doing all that in addition to making the whole movie about mourning. It felt a lot bigger, I think, in that way. Um, you know, we always talk about how Marvel movies have such high stakes, right? And, you know, because everything is about the universe hangs in the balance or whatever. And the, one of the things that I really liked about this one that sort of, uh, and I think... Uh, Hopefully, anyway, Lisa will back me on this. It gave a very strong uh, Disney Plus MCU TV show vibe in the, like, you know, once again, it could be argued that the villain here is grief. And, you know, that the way that you defeat that villain is by going on and, you know, not by ignoring it at all. I mean, we get that entire, we get an entire hunk of film and a profound thing happens in the movie before we ever get a Marvel opening title card. You know, like we get that in there first and then from there go on to all the other stuff. And it definitely really felt like that, like, you know, the people making the movie were all having this processing. The people 
in the movie we're all having this process the people watching the movie we're all having to go through all this processing and it it and in that way it felt a lot more profound like you were saying with us about um all of the other uh, you know all of the the phase four stuff that we had all of the phase three stuff we had seen about endgame and all of that like this felt a lot bigger and deeper than that and did not the universe did not hang in the balance at any moment in that opening reel of the movie you know what this movie actually did for me um is it made the snap feel like the pandemic in a way. <laughs> One of the complaints I've I've had about the snap, which I hasten to add, excellent, excellent narrative what if thing. Oh, what if 50% of everything just goes away? Who's left? What do you deal with it? There's there's a lot going on there. Um and how the Marvel the the MCU has told stories around that has been um weird and a little uneven but when i was watch when i was watching this movie the first time what struck me was this is basically the first pandemic era marvel movie um where the grief and the randomness and the fact that somebody who is tremendously noble and helps save the world gets struck down by something we never really see that comes out of nowhere that people are 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 powerless to do anything about um and it reverberates through a society and it disrupts everything and people are stuck in the, this this place of anger or grief i was like oh my gosh that's that's basically like the last 3 years <laughs> <laughs> and then when you think about how um I had read an interview with Ryan Coogler where he was like, well, this movie was always going to be about grief. It was going to originally be about T'Challa's grief that he lost five years of his life. Um, that people who came back after they had been snapped, the world moved on without them. And there's a tremendous amount of grief there. And I was like, oh my gosh, the parallels are, are overwhelming. And so when I was watching this movie, I thought, you know, we it's, it's kind of the closest thing we've got to a cultural expression of pandemic grief. And it all ties back to the snap. And it's... There's an extra layer of resonance that I don't think the movie benefits from, but I think the movie echoes and amplifies, if that makes sense. It was weird. Nobody from no, nobody else was there. The only people we saw in Wakanda were Wakandans. And I, you know, there was it was like nobody else recognized that he had passed. It was very weird to me. I actually really love that. Like, because like one of the things I love about Black Panther, um, the first movie, and that I loved about this was it's about a group of people who have a very unwestern way of looking at themselves relative to their society these are people who put their sense of wakanda the the nation with its centuries of history and its exceptionalism and its standards they put that first and they put and and their sense of identity is tied up in how can i contribute to perpetuating and extending the legacy of wakanda and frankly there's no room for ant-man in that like Doctor Strange <laughs> comes in, and hopefully a rhinoceros is there to boot his ass over the over over a canyon. Um, <laughs> so I, I like I like what a bubble it was, you know. Yeah, mm -hmm. I didn't expect a cameo, but you know, I, I you know, not even a speaking yeah. part, but like maybe you know, maybe Captain America's standing there, maybe you know, mm -hmm. somebody that that might have been. That was it. That was I, that was a thing that struck me on subsequent watchings. One quick thing, the the you know, one complaint out in the discourse was, oh, Ironheart felt kind of shoehorned in. 
I know, like, I, I like that, that the outsider perspective was somebody to whom Wakanda meant a lot ancestrally. Um, yeah. And so we got a different balance of that outsider uh, perspective than than we even get from from our, our friend Agent Ross, who is in the movie, only literally as much as he needs to be. I, yeah. So the, the one thing I, I want to say is that I was, you know, I wasn't excited for this film when it when it finally released. Um because of everything that happened, because of Chadwick Boseman's death, um, because they needed to pivot, and uh, and I think I was feeling a little bit of of the the Marvel movie fatigue, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, right? And and mm-hmm. so I so there was some malaise behind uh, going to see this film, and I was somewhat dragging my feet until. Uh, yet again, my mother, who, who uh, famously, or, or at least infamously in my head, um, at the time when we recorded our Black Panther uh, 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 podcast, had seen the movie in theater six times. Um, she had gone to see this film, and on the way out of seeing this film, one of the local HBCUs had been uh, bussed over to the theater that she was at to go see the film uh, by Sprite and they were playing the Wakanda theme. The, the band was playing movie from uh, a music from the film. And oh, it was wow. like such, yeah, it was such a moment and, you know, and people were dressed up and, and, you know, and, and it reminded me yet again of why this movie was so important, why this franchise was so important. And then I went to go see the film and it again reiterated w- what, you know, it echoed the things that I that I saw in these videos outside of the theater, inside the film. Um, you know, again, the, you know, w- w- like these films. I said before about the Marvel films that, like, you know, the Ant Man films are a heist films. The uh, I thought Captain Marvel was a was a buddy cop film. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. The 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 Black Panther franchise is about colonization, right? And it's about uh, like being able to to shed to shed that skin right to shed that like that weight of of being who we were culturally without the 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 i guess the 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 dirtiness of colonialism right and being able to to get rid of that weight and see who we could be if if those weren't the things that were motivating us right if colonial wishes weren't motivating us uh and and you got to see that in in two ways right you you got to see that from the perspective of the wakandans and you got to see that from the perspective of the uh Namor's people. I, you know, I don't, I don't know what you, the two, the two, two, the Talokanil. Uh, yeah, which, yes, a yeah, word, Talok. a word they never use in the movie, but the the place is called Talokan, and the proper, uh, um, I guess, uh, term would be Talokanil. Right. So, so, uh, you know, and and these very two philosophies from from similar nation states that were under, I guess, uh, or at least had very very similar perspectives on how they viewed the world and and what they were protecting the world from because of the power that they possessed um there there was a moment in early in the film when they go to the UN and uh oh, oh I guess first off Angela Bassett if Angela Bassett doesn't win an academy Seriously? award 
there's something wrong with the academy. There's yeah. no I mean, justice. How long, well, there how long has she been due? <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. Yes. Exactly, exactly. Like this is this was her training day, right? Like this was the film where you know, and and the the bear film for uh, Leo DiCaprio, right? Like this is this is the film finally, you know. Please, please, Academy, you got to give it to her. But when she was at the at the uh, UN and she's sitting there and she's talking about, um, you know, we've got these weapons, but we're not worried about what we can do with them. We're worried about what you would do with them. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And because you, you know, because the, the world has shown, the Western world has shown what they do with great power. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and that's, you know, that's something that, that, that resonates really 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 deeply with uh you know people that have melanin in their skin so uh it was great to see those things uh again broached and and you know and and not kind of danced around uh from this film that's not just the sound of that first sip of morning joe it's the sound of someone shopping for a car on carvana from the comfort of home that's a good blend it's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm-mm-mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. I really appreciated that all through the movie. There's a very nice balance of like, oh no, this is what's happening, you know. Uh, doesn't Shuri call him my favorite colonizer yes. at one point? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, like, and and all of like all of those things were were you know not what we normally get from movies, let alone comic book movies. I mean, Kelly, full credit to you for saying that the enemy of this movie is grief, but I mean, it's really. Uh, it's really the government of the United States of America. Also the French. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, also the French. Uh, just throw, also throw the, the French, French in We're going to drag the French into it. Then I, mean, I think, I mean, the, I think really, the enemy French is on in Africa right. is not great either. But, um, yeah, not so but, good. Not so good. But, uh, yeah. but the United States. And that's, I think, one of the things that I, I really loved in watching it a second time. Um, the, the, uh, the, the stuff that I really noticed is the, the plot is... I think r- super tight. Like I think it's a really, really, really solid plot because the whole idea here is simply uh, they found out about vibranium. <laughs> Wakanda has it all. <laughs> somebody, somebody, Riri Williams built a de- uh, built a detector, uh, and they find that there is yet another hidden society that is that has this stuff. And the and so the the uh, existence of Wakanda as a public uh, face now for the first time has called uh, Talokan now is is in grave danger because they're gonna they're another source for vibranium and it and it's gonna be a problem. Which I I, I love how Talokan is built as the as as a parallel society to Wakanda in the sense that again there's a story mm-hmm. about like the 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 there are blue things that you grow and drink and they make you super powerful and stuff it's a different story and yet it is and it's a tr- much more tragic story in that it is post colonization and they basically are fleeing their own home into the sea but yet it also has these mirrors with Wakanda which I think is really great but like the core of it is sort of that that uh, old Julia Louis Dreyfus is, is, is in, in uh, you know in, in a, actually uh, 
I, I enjoyed her in this because she is the the roving id of the United States government, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, she, she's like, what what if Selena Meyer were really, really, really evil right. and right. good at her job? As opposed to just benignly evil. Like yeah. malicious yeah, exactly. and not just evil. Evil yeah. in the in a in a very much a well, we're America, we should have everything. And I just I, I want to point out again, mm. this is a huge budget movie. <laughs> American movie that is fundamentally saying uh, the, the the U.S. government is the bad guys, and it's not like the U.S. government down with empire, comrade. I mean, <laughs> that is that is what this movie is really about, and I find it. Yeah. I, I actually think that um, Martin Freeman's character is fascinating because he is the good guy in this movie among the Americans and he's I literally committing treason right? yeah. throughout. Yeah. And the moment they he, point it out, it's like, yeah, he totally is. But he's like, but they're yeah. so good. Yeah, he's he's committing treason according to the laws of one country, but he's doing it to preserve world peace. Exactly. Uh, like the, the, yeah. the, the complex stack of intercultural, intergovernmental relations in this for me, the the thing that I loved so much about the first movie was how heavily they dove straight into the 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 broader, richer tapestry of Wakanda that Christopher Priest's run uh, with Marvel Knights brought to the world, bringing a layer of real anthropological thought to the way that this was set up and not just the way that it started a few decades before. And th- that extends to uh, Namor has been one of my favorite Marvel characters for a long time because uh, he, he does not care how bossy he is. Um, he does <laughs> not care about this. He does not care. He's, he's Aquaman and he doesn't care who thinks he's mean, um, <laughs> which is a much more interesting version of Aquaman. And like the, the layers of, of, of what they have done to enrich the Atlantean side of things, uh, the Talokan, the Talokanil, um, going into it when when there were rumors that they were going Yucatec Mayan with it, um, the to to the best of my knowledge, um, you know, my 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 ancestry on my Cuban side goes into goes into this this tribal diaspora to some extent. And so as an anthropologist in college, this is the stuff that I studied. And when there were just rumors about it, I went, surely they won't, surely they won't, (laughs) they won't do something that is, that is almost just for me and feels, it gives me the feeling that those dudes in that video uh, who were standing in front of the, the standee for the first movie who were like, this is what this feels like. You guys get to feel like this all the time. What? Um, uh, yeah, for, for me, I, I, I kind of went into seeing it expecting to enjoy that, but I did not expect how deep they went with it. And aside from the geopolitical side of things, just the way that they shoot Talokan, where they let it be dark and shadowy and weird and don't overlight it. Um, it, it's, uh, it's, they didn't have to go this hard and they went that hard and then they went a little harder. Um, that's, that's what impresses me the most when you see something like this, you see something like a lot of the things that were moved ahead in Shang-Chi moving ahead, very old Marvel library things that maybe have gotten some reinvention and some reworking over the years. Um, but I, I, it's, I'm still, I'm still baffled at, at what an incredible job they are doing at really make, I mean, it, it's almost like the people who complained that, oh, they made the Klingons too weird and, and diverse and everything in Discovery. I'm glad they did, 
Klingons are a lot more interesting being more than just, oh, we're one single samurai monoculture thing. Um, that, that same kind of series of principles have been expanded on even further than Discovery did, um, both both with Wakanda and and with Talokan, which the Marvel comics have not gone anywhere near as deep um, in trying to recontextualize the Atlanteans as anything other than people with pointy ears. No, it's, I mean, and, yeah. and Namor is a character, for those who don't know the comics, it's been around for... Uh, like the 30s? Uh, yeah, it's a very, very yeah. long time. Like so like Captain long. America, this is a this is an ancient, ancient character that then got brought into the Marvel Universe in the 60s. But like, he and he is a, uh, he, he, you refer to him as a, as a hero, but I mean, he is a hero slash nemesis, anti-hero kind of character. He's a fascinating, complex character, which is one of the things that I think... Uh, is brilliant about using him in a movie like this where the yeah. geopolitical uh, history of mm-hmm. planet Earth is the real enemy and and he is an instigator of the action of the movie. But mm-hmm. like like Black Panther where Killmonger, you're like, oh, he's the bad guy. Well, wait a second. He kind of is making good Killmonger points. Killmonger has a point. Lisa, yeah. Lisa's like, fanning Killmonger herself Killmonger had a point right in now. this movie too. Like, he does. Yes. He does. He does. Yeah. And, Namor has, and Namor really has, I mean, he, he's like, guys, you hung us out to dry. They're coming for us. Now, he... And again, in that perfect, Moises will back me up on this, I think, in that perfect Namor moment where you're like, yeah, this guy is the hero. He says, and so you're going to uh, go get that scientist and, and bring them to us uh, or we're or going to attack you. Or we'll kill you. Like, whoa, but, whoa, or, dude. Or, or, or we'll they wait. Yeah. Well, like, one yeah, of the like, things I love about the Black Panther movies is, is they show you that royalty don't mess around. Like, this is a thing that comes up. <laughs> one of the things I was, I've been struck about with both movies is if you are raised as somebody who believes you have a divine right to rule because you've got a con- connection to the ancestral plane through Bast or you have a connection to like the winged serpent god thanks to the ritual that your people did to escape the colonizers. Like you're 100% convinced in your bones that you get to boss everybody around. That's just how it works. And I freaking love that. I love that we see how monarchy would play out in a complicated, data-driven, we got superheroes and aliens 21st century world. Isn't isn't it a great moment in this movie where Namor realizes that Angela Bassett Mm -hmm. has totally played him right, right? Yes. like yeah. wait wait oh. wait they got her while i was with the right. and actually it's his one of his people is like oh they called you into a meeting when they took the and he's like mm, they got me. robot house <laughs> this right, could you? have been an email <laughs> another I, queen the, like oh. the, the the way they they introduce they introduce no more as you know Will he, won't he be an antagonist? He becomes an antagonistic force, but because of the way that they contextualize his motivations, instead of, uh, instead of, instead of doing the easy thing, they go, no, he's a deuteragonist. Um, we're going to make you question the protagonist-antagonist relationship in a similar way to the first movie, but through yet a different lens. And th- that, it, that it subtextually plays with some of these still ongoing frictions between the Latin community and the black community uh, going both directions. Um, like this conflict isn't over. Uh, I don't think Atuma and, and Namora are, are done oh, with Wakanda. No, no. Um, and we definitely, we got more than just a tease of that. That's what yeah. I like that, about that scene at the end where it's sort of like, uh, well, wow, we this is bad. And he's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. <laughs> Trust me, in fact, is his last line, right? It's yeah, like, last thing oh, he says. They're, they're going to come for Wakanda now. And then yeah. Wakanda's going to need us. 
trust me and it's such a great moment because it's like oh boy this guy <laughs> right yeah. like, he's a couple hundred years old he has seen how this stuff plays yep. out i mean yep because this is another thing you're talking about is in terms of long-lived entities in um on earth in the mcu it's him and the eternals and we've all we all know the eternals are useless so right. <laughs> like yeah. namor's got it locked up here he's been uh, building a society yeah. underwater lisa you leave my meat robots alone <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're beautiful cloud clients <laughs> <laughs> i want to talk about the um maybe we'll talk about the characters and people who are in this movie because we got some we got some people coming back from black panther and we got some new characters here um i <laughs> Uh, I wanted to start with Lupita Nyong'o because um, uh, I, I love I love what they do with her here. You know, she's off in Haiti. Like, she's just not in Wakanda. She's, like, living a different life. And there's this real question of, like, what what went on here? <laughs> like, what what went on here? And we, and we see Angela Bassett goes there and it's, they're like, oh, would you like to see the, the, the headmaster, the school, the schoolmaster? And it's it's uh it's Lupita Nyong'o who has kept her distance and then over time we get the whole story right but it, it does parcel it out all the way through part of the credits in fact we get the whole story of what's been going on with her and her life um and this is one of those big moments of like well what happened because um T'Challa died like well what happened and there's like there's the snap and then and then but he comes back but he has since died and she was his partner so what is the deal and I like that she gets called in to be the secret agent at one point mm-hmm. it's kind of a fun moment too so where it's like good. hey you're sort of near uh where where Talokan might be why don't you just investigate that for a little while and so she does that part too but um, on your way home from getting groceries just put on this cute dress and go talk to some folks yeah Mm -hmm. could you go yeah Yeah. here's some glasses and just swing by yeah (laughs) you know you know spanish Uh, yeah you you know spanish (laughs) right you're in the general vicinity can you just stop on that and she's like i "I gotta get to that beach take me to that beach i gotta i'm gonna sit there on a beach for a while and no no i'm working i'm working i'm looking for for blue people okay (laughs) just Mm -hmm. let me be here but and so affecting you know at the end but also useful for the plot but i like how she she comes in and she's like at remove at a remove and and is not part of the action and then you're like oh right like for me having not just seen black panther when she appears i'm like oh i forgot all about that part oh right right like it's like it all comes back in that moment where the first movie was was about like black culture and and you know like the di- the pan-african diaspora and and uh you know celebrating all of that i think this film was about celebrating all of that but also like laser focusing on the experience of black women right like this was the movie where the women took the four right everyone uh-huh. everyone oh, so great. that that had a moment to that was of any importance was from Wakanda was a woman and, and, uh, and Winston Duke, right? Also, also a man <laughs> Mbaku the side of Mbaku. Too, but you know, but, when he, yeah. when needed. Right. Winston Duke walks in with an ad lib. It wasn't ad lib calling Okoye a bald headed. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now we know that at some point, he he and Okoye, they're gonna smash. We know that, right? Uh, I mean, that was way too I, I many sparks so to be anything else. Come on, if, I'm wondering if if it's Mbaku and Okoye or Mbaku 
and Shuri. By the end, maybe. I don't know. I, like, I feel I, like Griot would actually so, like declare his intentions first. Yeah, I, I could see Shuri falling in love with her AI. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I knew this was going to end up be, being the uh, like the the, the Valentine's Day special. No, t- yeah, taking, yeah. Taking, 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 ta- taking our detour into 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 the shipping lane for just oh, a moment. <laughs> honestly, honestly, honestly. I think I think enemies to lovers would be amazing between Umbaku and Namora. Oh wow! Oh, oh wow. You've I mean, there's got to be some crossover yes. between the cultures that mixes into that conflict at some point. But I don't know. I'll just leave that there. there. I'll just leave it. Well, there. now that the heart shaped herb has the underwater herb mixed into yeah, uh, it, there's stuff. Uh, o- Okoya and Atuma yeah. go Okoya from, from Atuma, dueling you with got spears. It. There it is. There it is. Thank you very much. She's like, yes. you know, she's she's got her uh, she's got her her spear, and he's got his hammerhead shark skull on his head <laughs> that he wears as a hat. I mean, those two yeah. crazy kids. Anything can, anything happen. can happen. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So Lupita Nyong'o, great. Uh, great to see uh, Denai Guerrera uh, back. Uh, she is, I mean, she gets fired. That's tough. Mm-hmm. That's what tough stuff, right? Like the queen is there's like a koya. There's Akoya, a lot of that going failed. around, you know? You're, you're fired. And it's like, wow, that seemed a little harsh. Like you're out. You're just completely out. You're, you Not lose all your jobs. Not even a PIP first. Right. It's, ooh. Yeah. I know. But, oh but there, Not even a re- Yeah, it wasn't a bad review. It was, you're out. Yeah. yeah. No. And, mm-hmm. and she gets her redemption where she gets to wear her kind of like blue... Iron Warrior Angel thing. So yeah, so the mid, on, so the Midnight nice. Angels, uh, the Midnight Angels are, are a real thing in the Black Panther lore. Um, but that suit and it and it and the suit is reminiscent of the suits that they wore in the comics. But it, all I could see when I looked at those was Power Rangers. They just look like. <laughs> Putties. And the name, uh, yeah. the name is a bit much. The name is very like eighties yes. hair metal 100%. band it, ballad. There's exactly. a lot of Aquanet involved. They they foregrounded how ridiculous right. they look and the name and everything. I'm glad yeah. that they just addressed that right out of the gate and then kept coming right. back to it. <laughs> Has this gotten uglier? Yeah, that, like that made it. That made it easier to deal with because they were saying all the things about it that right. I wanted. Yeah. To say. Well, I mean, they came out with the MacGuffin suit right out, right out the box. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you got, oh, yeah, you got to see it and that was good. Right. Like, like you said, Moises, it was, it was good that they, they didn't, you know, that they steered into the, into the, uh, into the, into the swerve. Um, <laughs> and, and that sure. way, yeah, that way it was out there. Uh, it did look silly, but it was, it was still fun. Um, it, what it did do for me that I didn't like was a thing that also happened in the first Black Panther, which was two CGI characters are fighting mm-hmm. and you have the kinetic yeah. CGI fight. And it just like everything else looks very, very realistic. It looks like it's actually part of the world. 
and then yeah. you have and then all of a sudden right. it gets and weird. then it yeah, just yeah. we we jump we jump in a time machine to the Killmonger T'Challa fight exactly. from the first movie that looked like rubber right. action figures yes. being slapped. Oh yeah. man, like right. they're just a little little like there's nothing grounding. That's why I mean that's why in so many of these movies they get their like their little masks ripped off and stuff, mm. right? Is because then you can you can have it feel <laughs> a little more like there's a person yeah. there and oh, it's look, not just two people, not just two figures. Smashing. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. I I didn't like the name i know it's in the comics but i thought that name is not a name that that uh sherry would come up with for it either it just seems it like really it really was, was ne- not it no. necessary because no, it's, I, I it's like sherry sherry oh you're such an engineer <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. you may be an incredible designer but a marketing agent you are not i guess yeah, i guess the the, the, yeah. the the cgi i don't know if this is just marvel overload or what at this point but i i didn't see this movie in the theater i, I waited until it was out on disney plus i find myself kind of watching the cgi fight scenes at like one and a half speed because yeah. i yeah. just as far as i'm concerned the most interesting stuff in the movies is when the characters are talking to each other and yes. not fighting at each other like yeah to me the most powerful scenes well let's there's the whole pre marvel chiron grief sequence which we just won't even get into but like when queen ramonda calls out the elders in council and she's like look all of you fell in line behind killmonger mbaku is literally the only person who stayed loyal to the idea of wakanda and um backed us in that fight and don't think i haven't forgotten i was like oh yeah that was a great scene for example or well letitia wright carried so much of this movie and that the yeah. ex- the expository scenes, even um, you know the deep state fun couple conversations were were kind of <laughs> hilarious. And then you get to the fighting, and I'm like, oh good, it's people who have never been constrained by gravity, and they're apparently never hurt <laughs> when they get hit, and now they're also blue. Hooray! Um, I just I, f- I found myself bored. Like the action sequences aren't fun. I agree with you, and in fact, I think I mean one of the one of the challenges in having a movie that is kind of about of a lot of I, a lot of ideas, and then also clashes of culture and things mm-hmm. like that, is um, there are the moments where it feels very much like okay, we need to pay the bills now by having right. a big giant action <laughs> sequence. Yeah, and I mm-hmm. realize that people don't go to a, pay to see a Marvel movie to just have people talk and stuff, and that there's this feeling like you've got to give them their money's worth by having that. 10 minute long action sequence at the end and the, mm-hmm. the and the other one that's slightly smaller that's in the middle and in order to do, sort of pace out these big fight sequences but like yeah. I I felt it more in this movie than I think any Marvel movie and especially I wanted to call out what I think is one of the weakest things in this movie which is at the end of the movie two things happen right it is the clash of civilizations because uh Wakanda is going to strike back at Talokan um and and they're going to they're going to you know resolve this issue that's going on between these two uh these two peoples and there are two things happening simultaneously one of them and is a fight between Shuri and Namor which is not only are they fighting in an interesting style but it is a clash it is a clash of their ideas against each other it is an internal struggle that Shuri is having about whether she is going to go down the path of vengeance or not all of that is super rich and interesting and i'd say that her fight with Namor is interesting meanwhile everybody <laughs> from both countries has gone out 
to a boat middle that's the in the ocean. middle of nowhere, <laughs> nowhere in in the negative space of the open ocean and they and things are blowing up real good out there and that part of it i was like i could not be less interested in these zero mm. stakes empty explosions in the middle of the ocean on a boat i don't care about mm-hmm. when the other part is the entire theme of your movie it's not like it's not like the fight on the boat was like, oh, I see what they're doing. They're really representing the clash of ideas. No, not no. really. It was a bunch of it punches and explosions and stuff. But they got a and whale. Then, and what a contrast. Uh, and this is what I'm saying is what a contrast to what's going on between Namor and Shuri on between the beach. Which two actually, angry orphans frozen in this moment right. of tremendous rageful loss. And they're fighting. Actually your yeah. climax of the movie where yes. all your themes come together. And yeah. But the other part, I'm like... I guess it's a Marvel uh, movie. You gotta, yeah. but it, I found it completely boring. Mm-hmm. It was just completely boring to me. It was, but I thought the vibe was different, like with with the action stuff in these, because like I knew, and I know that that's not like, I mean, that's not the greatest thing to have is like, oh well, it you know feels different, but like the whole thing on the bridge when, um, when Shuri and Okoye are trying to figure out like. Who are they? What is their deal? How do we defend ourselves? And sure. all of this, you know, like that whole thing was terribly interesting to me to watch to watch them sort of, you know, trying to work it out and watch the the blue people come out from underneath the bridge like, hi, mm-hmm. you know, um, no riddles, just fighting, you know, and <laughs> it was it was so like to me that was the part like the fighting of it wasn't interesting what was happening there was interesting and like when they uh you know with like that whole sequence from the garage out to me was was really interesting and then the whole thing at the end was really interesting like you said Jason but you know like not because of not because of the fighting that was fighting you know and I'm like bored and then you know here comes the movie but we have a whale yeah still bored uh you know it wasn't a whale that part wasn't oh no they're attacking the like yeah see like i guess oh boy oh okay that like what i want like i I, know like i kind of want to find out how namor and his people feel about dolphins like on a side note but (laughs) like you know you've you've dragooned whales into this and why like there's not much of a payoff other than oh look cgi cool uh, they look that, cool. That that third act, um, that third act battle, um, made me groan from from inception, um, because yeah. <laughs> because you know. So here we here we are. We have the triumphant moment where we finally figure out who the Black Panther is going yes. to be. It is Shuri. She mm-hmm. is recreated. You know. The, and the, Killmonger appears, right? Which is like she did right. the thing. I didn't, I didn't oh. expect that. Right? No, like, oh, no. in the chair. It's going to be Mom. It right. can't Not be Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. What's right. what are they going to do? And it's like, no, y'all. I screw you, everybody. It's just... Killmonger, and he is here. He is here <laughs> oh. to be the devil. And, right. The... Oh my God. But he's again. He's right. Like even from beyond the grave, he is right. Like, That's the like... crazy part. The crazy part about that was was the second time watching it. It was like, oh, holy crap. He's right again. Yeah. Right. Like, like he's right, right and, some more. So yeah. like that was, you know, all of that was great. You Huge have this, peak, yeah. you have this great moment with, with her and uh, M'Baku in, you know, oh, yeah. in, in, you know, in, in mm-hmm. the, the, in their land. And it was all, you know, all of that was great, but she's like, all right, here's the plan guys. We've got a, we've got a strike Namor and we've got to defeat these guys. Where should we do it? 
How about in the ocean? In the how middle of the, the ocean? In, yeah. How about in the ocean? In there? Mm-hmm. In the house? We got a boat. Wait, what? <laughs> we, we haven't seen we haven't seen right. the Wakanda Navy yet. Let's so, see the Wakanda you know, Navy. There's like, another thing. The to best design. place to fight a, a shark is on the land. Duh. Um, and and yeah. so I, I was just like, ugh. And you knew that's like how many members of the Wakandan fighting forces had to die right. for and that, that was you know that was yeah. the crazy part is like so you know yeah. here we are we get to the climax Shuri has saved everyone and they come back uh, under the banner of peace the Bloods and the Crips are holding the the the, the their bandanas together and <laughs> and, and you, you've you've got the you've got the 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 ship and there's like five Wakandans left. Like, all of the Wakandans have died. Who are they? Like, It's the whole Wakandan Navy has been lost now. Who are they saving? Who did you say? (laughs) Yes. The Wakandan Navy fits in a Wakandan And the whole fight is like, well, this fight is pointless because regardless of what happens here, they're going to settle it, right? The two of them are going to settle it. Right. So, and it wasn't, and again, yeah, it was also not adding any like I could see how there could be layers added where it's like well it's actually kind of interesting because but there there's none of that it really is just that they're they're fighting out there I wanted to mention so Moises mentioned Ironheart earlier Riri Williams uh nice new character from the comics that they brought in here she's really interesting there she's the genius who comes up with the the whole thingamajig that sets this whole plot going on Jason you could say that she's a real genius you could you could, but more of an MIT created a thing. It's a Wakandan right, that the government takes and uses. She that the government takes to use for their own purposes. You're absolutely right. It's a real Project Crossbow kind of situation there. So, but I wanted to throw in here that in this fight, see now I want that. Now I want this SFX to do a deep fake of Val Kilmer as 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 somebody as her as her professor. I just want to know what she says when she wires up somebody's braces with radio. We see her in this. Mm -hmm. She has been. There's a montage. Speaking of the '80s and real genius, there is actually a montage where Shuri and Riri invent things for a mm-hmm. while uh which is kind of kind of fun and and then the midnight so angel good. happens so again love a montage but then we get the fight and she's in her full-on iron heart suit and here's here's my complaint it's not using riri williams because i actually think that having her in the movie is great my problem is is that i know that they're going to do an iron heart tv show right and uh, I feel like they've stolen the moment from Riri Williams here because she mm. she goes to Wakanda and there's a montage and she invents the suit. And then at the end, they're like, we're going to send you back to the U.S., but uh, 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 you can't take your magic suit with you because you'll need to build a new one in your Disney Plus TV series that's coming next year. And it, that part first really frustrated me because it's like you're kind of short circuiting this character in order to to let her fly around in this boat start. scene that you're doing. And it just made me madder about the boat fight at the end. It's, that's all I wanted to say about it. She's a great character. It's fun. I'm glad that she's the impetus for the plot. I think it's a great way to introduce her to the story, but I was a little frustrated that they get the super snazzy suit on her and then take it away because she's going to have to do that again on her own TV show. Get that suit I guess. Back, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the uh, Peter Parker effect. Right, he had he had to do the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah, that's oh, that's totally true. Oh, I saw this opening weekend in the theater, and as soon as uh, Shuri ended up in uh, the throne room and walked around the throne, and Killmonger was sitting there, the like I couldn't help myself, and I leaned over to my friend and I went, "Lisa is going to freak <laughs> out," and I was so excited, like on your behalf, that that was happening. <laughs> Like, even before he said a word, I just knew how thrilled you would be. And I just wanted to, like, share that with you. 
Like, oh my know, gosh. That yes. was the first thing that came to mind because he was, like you said, he was right from beyond the grave. Yes. You know? Yes. Yeah. You know, I was on Etsy looking for Killmonger as right mugs. <laughs> um, I know. I love that when Shuri went and had her visit with Killmonger, he points yeah. out that she's acting from a place of confusion because she's only doing half of the job. Cause he, he points out, you know, your mother died to protect a, a, a member of our lost tribe. Don't you dare take that from her. And then he's like, okay, now let's burn. Now let's burn it to the ground. And I, I like how he brings it back to the theme of what, what responsibility does Wakanda have to the rest of the world? And then what responsibility do you have to Wakanda? Because, Shuri's whole thing has always been, I'm a genius. I get to do a lot of stuff because I'm royalty. Um, and this is the film where it's like, okay, you were given a lot of gifts, but but now now comes the time you have to pay. Like, what is the price you're willing to pay for them? And I just freaking love that Killmonger is the one who, like, who, who frames it in those terms. And more importantly, gives her that frame of reference where she when she does have that final conf- confrontation with Namor, and you have that really lovely like flashback sequence where you mm-hmm. see their mothers and you see like the histories that they're carrying and how they rhyme. Well, you uh, yeah, but you know none of that wouldn't would have been possible without Killmonger explicitly talking about her mom the whole time. And to be honest, that kind of gives me a little bit of hope for him too, where if he can understand um like he's he's sort of groping towards enlightenment. Maybe he'll get through another couple of millennia. <laughs> but I I love that Ryan Coogler gives so many characters so much space to make really good points, and then trusts the audience to have to sit with all that and say, okay, you know, say what you will about the tenets of Killmonger, yeah, murdering murdering fields of people. At he's least it's an ethos. Or, yeah, right. <laughs> and and I love that I I love that Namor's Namor's a king. He's not a bad guy he's playing he's playing like centuries long chess and was i like a little bit uncomfortable that there's a lot of conflict between you know two people who are both fighting to stay out of a really colonialist globe yes yes i was and i'm kind of glad i was uncomfortable about that but at the same time i also think it's great that the stories are getting more nuanced where you can see both points of view and then Killmonger comes in and goes, Oh, and then consider this. You're like, Oh, thank you. I will. (laughs) And It allows Shuri to have that moment where she's sort of like thinking about Killmonger's words and thinking about her mother and then comparing herself to Namor. And it's like, Mm -hmm. how am I like this guy? How am I not like this guy? Cause that's part of the whole thing is the comparison. It's like, these are two similar peoples on similar paths. I do have a feeling that what on, on rewatch, it's like, He's been Namor's been waiting and biding his time about the surface world, but like, I think he's kind of panicked here a little bit, right? Like, I think that's what ha- what has happened here is oh, yeah. the revelation of Wakanda existing has has panicked him because he's like, oh no, he knows immediately we're gonna get found out and and it's gonna happen again, like mm-hmm. it happened to our ancestors, and that and and so I gotta do something yeah. about this, and he lashes out at Wakanda because Wakanda brought up the subject of vibranium and therefore <laughs> exposed them unwittingly, and it is and what makes Namor yeah. Namor is that his response is is like I said earlier, it's like if you don't agree, I will attack you first of all of of the whole world, I'll attack yeah. you first. And yeah. It's like, dude. That was not the right thing to do, but that's that is the kind of stuff that Shuri yeah. has to weigh when she's looking at him and fighting him and yeah. saying, "Do I 
want to be like this guy? Do I want to have Killmonger whispering in my ear or do I want to listen to my mom? And like, that's the richness of it. That's the richness of the story that, that makes it so great. Well, and the thing I love about it is all the power, right? Like, you know, I mean, to, to, to go back to, you know, a classic, a classic law of Marvel comics, right? With, with great power comes great responsibility. And if you're Namor, you react to that one way you know, when, when the responsibility is, is for all of your people. And when you're Shuri, you react to that exact same kind of responsibility in a different way, because they're both kind of, kind of having to deal with the same thing, which is the world knows about by vibranium and what do I, you know, and somebody found out about me and what am I going to do about that? And then, you know, and then you've got, uh, uh, you know, the Contessa who walks in and goes, yeah, I've got great power, great responsibility, (laughs) pass. And then, yeah, and, you know, and then just continues to fling hand grenades around, you know, along behind her everywhere she goes, which I think is fantastic. But it's also another way to look at great power, great responsibility. What do we do here? And that was part of what I thought was interesting throughout all of the movie was how everybody reacted to how how the like you know it was kind of thrust upon all of them at some point and what do i do about this and watching everybody come to terms with that was really interesting throughout the film can, can, can we can we talk about uh, letitia wright and the dichotomy between her performance in in the first film and this film right like i mean just not a care in the world in the first film even when the stakes were super high um, and you know, she was about her business. Mm-hmm. She did her thing, but, but she was perfectly fine sitting in the background and not mm-hmm. having the responsibility or the, the burden of leadership yeah. and, and just having that mantle thrust upon her, um, both, both as the character and as the actor, um, yes. and, and, and mm. being able to see yeah. both of yeah. those things happen in this film and the way that she was able to handle all of that was incredible. Now, the question that I have based on everything that we've seen, you know, uh, in, including the, the post credit scene is, do we believe that Shuri will be the Black Panther in many subsequent films you know uh the the black panther 3 well she'll definitely or presumably will be the black panther but going into the new avengers or or going into whatever phase five and six or you know uh whatever those are that thunderbolts movie Mm -hmm. or whatever is whatever else they're sending i think so um, I think it's interesting that they have Mbaku's going to be the yes. king, but she's going to be the ba- Black Panther, and that's going to be the dynamic. But you know, I was watching the um, the the uh, Marvel whatever they call it uh, assembled. They're assembled uh, about this movie, and and one of the one of the things that really struck me was, uh, I think it was Ryan Coogler said, you know, we didn't cast Letitia Wright to be the Black Panther, right? right? right. Like, we didn't yeah. plan this. And that she had to really rise to the challenge of of doing stuff in water and doing lots of choreographed fight scenes and all, and, and carrying the emotional and physical burden of being this character that she really didn't sign up to be in the original. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I don't see... I, I have a question about sort of like... On the one hand, 
this feels very essential to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and that we're really setting up a a geopolitical uh, situation that I don't know how they would resolve it other than, you know, is it in a different movie or is it in a third Black Panther movie? Um, and the only th- reason that I f- I'm not sure that they'll resolve it in some other movie is mostly because... When you look at the rest of the Marvel movies right now, they seem to be focused on multiverses and time travel and all sorts of cosmic weird mm-hmm. stuff and not like a potential world war between superpowers, including two you've never heard of before, one of which is underwater, right? <laughs> like th- that seems important, right? <laughs> yeah. It seems important. It was apparently important to Julia Louis-Dreyfus and her boss, the president. And her former husband. <laughs> Surprise. And, yes, exactly. So, so so my question, Cicero, is I feel like, yes, absolutely, we're going to see this Black Panther again and we're going to see. But my question is like, where and does it yeah. continue to be kind of, I mean, there's lots of advantages to these films feeling like they're part of the MCU, but not so right. much that they get to kind of yeah. interact. But there does come a point where you're like, but what about Talacon, everybody? <laughs> like, can we just ignore Talacon? Because I don't think we can. I, like that that th- that Thunderbolts movie is going to be real interesting with Thunderbolt Ross as the <laughs> right? president of the United Harrison States. Harrison Ford yeah. as, as Thunderbolt yeah. Ross. Get as off my plane. Uh, well, I I think I think I've already figured out uh, the plot of Black Panther three. Um, the the Americans, the U.S. government, in their efforts to try and invade and take down Wakanda, um, reach out to this Eastern European uh, government. The, the government oh, of Latveria. Latveria. <gasps> and Latveria. another country we haven't yeah. ever right. heard of that's yeah. important. And, and, yes. Uh, and yes. they team up yes. with Latveria to attack Wakanda. I <gasps> mean, Neymar is a is a big Fantastic Four character, so I do wonder if maybe there's some plans on that well, level. But the Thunderbolts... Yeah, he's, a, he's a he's I, a bigger Fantastic Four character just, to some members of the Fantastic yeah. Four than others. Yeah, I, I love how he's just a thorn in the side of Reed Richards. Right. Sue Storm should be mine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, so and can we talk for a second about how this is the first time we heard the word the mutant M-word in a Marvel one time? Movie? Well, it's the first time yeah. we've heard it in the movies because we heard it in a TV show. Well, Kelly, remember? I, I think they said that that Kamala Khan was a a mutation. No, they tippy toed around something. it. Oh. They tippy toed oh. all the way up to the edge of mutant and looked well, way, said, way, I think way, way a mutation. over the edge. And, and then we're like, yeah, yeah, of some sort. Uh, but here he's just like, I'm a mutant, and it's like, all right, they're just laying laying yeah. that out there too. No, there's a lot. They, yeah, there's a lot out there. It's just funny when when like there's all the Ant Man hype around as we record this, right? About right. like mm. multiverse and Kang, and they're gonna do all this stuff. It's like, okay, all right, we'll see what that is. And then you look at Wakanda Forever and you're like, but meanwhile, on planet Earth, where right. we all live, yeah. this is happening. Which all is of us infinitely are. interesting. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But, but again, I'm also kind of happy that the Black Panther movies are only very, very, very lightly co- connected to the rest of the MCU. Yeah. They're like MCU in law, right. kind of. I feel like, like it's a vacation from the MCU in some way. Like they're just so beautifully yeah. realized. Yeah. The world building is astonishing. Like I, I could go back and look at Ruth Carter's costumes the co- for costumes forever. are staggering. I, I mean the 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 disruptive thing the disruptive thing that they could do is they've set up that oh there's going to be further conflict between these nations. But if you know we've got a movie called Secret Wars coming, there's all this Kang and multiverse stuff going on. Um, the, the enemy of your enemy is your friend kind of stuff, um, heading off 
a, uh, you know, like we've seen Talokan and, and, and Wakanda fight. Uh, do we really need to see these people um, that, that, that avoided colonization? Well, one of them uh, fled colonization. Um, do we really need to see them brutalize each other or would it be better for them to look at a, a teaching moment, a learning opportunity, a way to avoid that oh, yeah. entirely? Um, I, that That's what I would yeah. want. I, I, there's just that moment you talk about how it's slightly different from, I mean, it's just like MCU, but, but not too much. There's a moment in the, in the movie where uh, it's pointed out like, Oh, you know, T'Challa didn't even kill his father's killer. And I'm like, oh, what was... Oh, right, right. Zemo. It, right, right. Ben and I'm like, what? Zemo. Like, I mean, I know Black Panther appears first in Civil War, and like, but I had that moment yeah. where I'm like, oh, wow, suddenly I'm remembering a whole other set of characters that I haven't <laughs> been thinking about while watching Wakanda Forever, mm-hmm. but they're all kind of part of the same thing. So, okay, all right, fine. Yeah. I went back actually and rewatched the scene in Civil War where T'Challa confronts Zemo. Um, I went back and watched it today so I'd be kind of fresh about it to see if there were a lot of beat for beat type of things. Um, and also because the, the critique were, oh, T'Challa is too noble. Um, and what I really loved about <laughs> and, like and that whole... would like to tell you, you can never right. be too noble. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but what I loved about what he's like, vengeance has consumed you, and those jack wagons who are busy fighting in the super secret <laughs> Soviet facility. Um, I don't want to be like you all, and also I'm a king. I I know better. I was raised better. Like he doesn't say that, but it's like implied very heavily. Where he's like, I'm I'm done. I have better things to do. There's an entire nation to run, and then he deprives Zemo of committing suicide, and that note of canniness that he brings to it is something that, you know, when Shuri clearly makes her alliance with M'Baku um, at the end of the movie, when Namora is telling Namora, Oh, you know, eventually Shuri will have to turn to me, blah, blah, blah. I was like, I want to see how he's going to deal with, with M'Baku as, as the King of Wakanda, <laughs> because that's a whole different conversation. Like they don't have the dead dad's club in common. Like they're, they're, they're going to have to find <laughs> another way to chit chat. <laughs> yes. You're not yeah. you're not that different, yeah. you and me. I also like to wear dead animals <laughs> as clothing. <laughs> and tiny shorts. We could get along here, you yeah. and I. It's yeah. gonna be it's oh, gonna fish be man. Mm-hmm. Every everyone can wear tiny shorts together <laughs> in harmony. In harmony. <laughs> tiny shorts and dead animals. I mean, really first yeah. of all, who among us? Mm-hmm. And you know, what what more do you need? Really? Tiny <laughs> shorts and, and dead it's animals. Baku, is what you know? I'm saying. Uh, so <laughs> I, I need to, I need to get us back to um, the, so there's, this movie has like three different endings and I think it's good. They break Ross out of the transport van. Uh, they, that's the colonizer in change. Now yeah. it changed. Now, now we've seen everything. Uh, and then we yeah, go back to Haiti and, um, and, and Shuri comes to do that final goodbye ritual that she refused to do with her mother. And, uh, and so Naki is there, but she goes and wants to do it herself. And she goes down on the beach and she, she burns the robe and, and, uh, the most of the credits start to roll over the burning of the robe. It's a very nice moment. And again, this is that moment where we get a little more space for all of us, uh, everybody involved, including the audience to mourn, whether it's T'Challa or Chadwick Boseman or both. You're, you're, there's the space for mourning. And then, then the movie oh does gosh. the thing where they say, oh, Oh, so the robe is finished burning now. Uh, here's Nakia and that that kid 
who showed uh, Angela Bassett where where she was in the beginning. Oh, that's her son, Toussaint. Okay, well, that's that's very nice. He's like, no, 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 that's just my Haitian name. I'm actually Prince T'Challa. My father was King T'Challa. And uh, the crying begins at that point uh, <laughs> and continues through the rest <sighs> of the credits. And it just is, it is that final little cherry on top of like the, the, it is the, we have given you time to mourn. We have watched the robe burn. And, and, and now in this emotional moment, we're also going to have this realization that, oh yeah, um, that your mom didn't tell you some stuff uh, and life goes on and this is his son. And he is the, you know, basically the heir to the throne. And it's just, it, I, I loved it. It's just such a wonderful moment of, of, of to leave the movie on. I cry, I cry through the entire movie. Right. Um, I just right. There are a lot of points, yeah, but this I, is the yeah, one that I gets cry, me the I hardest. Cry the, I oh, cry through the yeah. entire oh, movie. Something about yeah. that. Um, you know, the the movie basically bookended, or you know, it it, it the bookends were were Chadwick Boseman's last T'Challa, um, and and you know what a beautiful way to end it with Letitia Wright just kind of looking off into and and you know and 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 I, I want to say Letitia Wright and not Shuri, right? Because it, because it felt like. Letitia mm-hmm. Wright was <sighs> was celebrating and and grieving her brother in arms in this film franchise in Chadwick Boseman and not her brother, you know, Shuri's brother T'Challa. Um, and and I felt like I was there doing the exact same thing for everything that he represented both within this franchise and for the culture. Um, because this, you know, this is a person that, and I, I have not said it here, but this is a guy who, who played for, for, for black folks, all of our heroes, both real and imagined, right? He, he, he played, you know, the Black Panther, but he was also James Brown and Jackie Robinson yeah, and third and Thurgood Marshall, Marshall. right? Robinson. Like he yeah. was, and he was good all of our heroes, and he did it with grace. And he's, you know, and he, and he just, he was noble, right? He was everything that T'Challa was, or that that uh, people tried to to denigrate T'Challa for being. Um, he was all of those things: graceful, noble, regal. And he's gone, and we, you know, so we all got to celebrate that with 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 Letitia Wright at the end, and it was beautiful. And I was bawling, and then, and then oh, the end credit mess. scenes come, and you know, like I'm, all my tissues are gone, all my napkins are gone. I've cried in my popcorn, right? <laughs> there's there's no space for anything. <laughs> and then Ryan Coogler does this thing, and he's like, oh yeah. Here's his son, and his son has his name. Yeah. And yeah, now sit with yeah. that, you idiot. Like there was like puddles on the ground in the theater. It was so it was ridiculous. Uh so so beautifully done. Oh man. So beautifully done. I, I my my experience of seeing it the first time, I have to relate. Um because here's what happened. So the ceremonial clothes burned. Here's the kid. His name is T'Challa, Prince, Prince T'Challa, son of T'Challa. Power goes out. Oh. <gasps> oh. 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 Power comes back oh, on. Well, we sit there know, for listen. 25 minutes, all of us in this auditorium going, I'm, I'm not leaving. Mm-hmm. 
like let us know when you get it back to where it where it needs to be and 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 they apparently like it fried something on that projector specifically such that they literally had to set it up on a different screen and they were like hey we have it all queued up thank you so much for waiting uh here here here's a here's a little uh a voucher for all of you and uh and i was like okay good great we watched the rest of the movie and then as we're walking out i take a look at the vouchers and i'm like cool i got a free movie pass now it was a free uh, popcorn, free popcorn. I was like, no, oh. no, uh, not and enough. You, and then you cried again. And then not enough. To quote the great sister <laughs> Holmes from about two minutes ago, sit with that, you idiot. <laughs> so what I've learned is that I need to take Cicero to the movies with me because I go to a, we normally go to a theater that has like, they do the nice meal and stuff like as part of the experience. And so they have like really nice cloth napkins. And my friend Crying who I saw it napkin. with, it was his- it was his second time through, and this is where we saw Endgame, where as soon as the movie started, he went out and got like three of those and came back in to sit with me because he and I have ever been to a movie together. And so, yeah, I was, yeah, so that's that's what we'll do is you can just come see it with me next time and we'll get those giant you. cloth napkins and just be a complete right. and disaster and it'll be fine. Yeah. Ring oh, them yeah. out. While you're crying into <laughs> yeah. your hamburger or whatever, you can. <laughs> right. <laughs> What I mean, like, I don't know. Is there anything else that we should we should touch on that we haven't yet? I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot here, um, and it is a, a long movie. I feel like we've covered a lot of the main things. I, I wanted to um, mention because I didn't mention him by name to Nochuerta Mejia, who oh. is uh, yes. that is a that is. I mean, if you had said to me, "Oh, they're gonna do a, a namer on the screen," I'd be like, "Good luck!" Like. <laughs> Good luck. He's like, yeah. imagine yeah. like Mr. Spock, but like on a really bad day. Uh, and yet he does. He, and, and with all the world building they do around him, but like he does a good job. I really like that character. I think he is super charismatic, which he needs to be and believable yeah. it, with, again, including the bad things he does, like agree with us or we destroy you right like it's like all right come on dude uh but like right. a really fun good performance by him uh an actor who i hadn't seen in anything before and i thought he did a great job yeah i think this was his like kind of like big screen introduction yeah. um so what i what i really enjoyed or what i thought was clever was the the uh the um entomology of his name i did like that right? like that wasn't yes. That was, you know, that was something that, uh, you know, he was just named right. the Submariner, as far as I knew, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the comics. Um, but the, but the, the way to, to like really tie all of that stuff in together, child was, was, without love, really clever. Mm-hmm. Love, yes, that was, yeah. I mean, they had to do it, right? They had to and figure I mean, something out. I mean, I mean, yeah. I, well, I mean, for many of us uh, in the Latin community. Uh, that that was always kind of a it was it was sort of a baked into things uh, sort of deal like uh, um, uh, Diego Luna has said that uh, you know in Mexico R two D two's Arturito mm-hmm. little Arthur <laughs> right. yeah. uh, and 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 to me it's you know it, it was Star Wars but in my household it was Star Wars mm-hmm. Star Wars, um, <laughs> <a> Star Wars. <laughs> uh, and 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 Namor I I always thought he was of last ah, extraction as a right. kid i was like i was like wow well there's 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 this guy and then depending on who draws him dr strange uh, <laughs> right. see see now now, now the title of los spookies makes so much more sense <laughs> see there you go oh my gosh 
Yeah. I think um yeah. I think Namora is such a great contrast to Shuri too, because when you think about it, even though Shuri says in this movie, I just buried the last person who truly knew me, one of the things that really shines through in both movies is how love and devotion are are just integral to to existing as a Wakandan. I mean, there aren't a whole lot of Wakandan lone wolves. Everybody is part of a bigger community and they feel supported and and in turn they offer and extend that support. And you contrast that with um, the violent origins of Namor's nation and how those those very fundamental bonds are disrupted. And it just gets really interesting because Wakanda would have been a much different place if they had ever had to deal with colonizers. Um, just like one of the appeals of Wakanda is this is what happens when colonizers don't get to you. I sort of feel like the whole point to this movie is look at the damage that gets done. Look at the damage that gets baked in from the, the inception of nations when you do this. Look at how hard it is to get over this sort of thing when people are not raised in a community or a place where they are allowed to feel safe and feel loved. And um, like like I said, I don't really see Namor as a bad guy in this at all. And um, I love and adore how the the power of community and connections and family and love is something that is embodied by all of the Wakandans over and over again, even if they come after you with spears. It's just it's just such a, a beautifully realized. It's it's a better culture, I think, than a lot of the other ones that we've been exposed to in the MCU, or they've tried to build out. Like the world building here really is just next level. Mm-hmm. Come at you with and, spears and or with those pretty, uh like taser yeah. dagger things. Too. You brought a yeah. spear in the here. Taser daggers, yeah. Honestly, <laughs> I think what I liked about about this movie like on a meta level and with individual characters and with individual relationships and and how things ultimately end up is that everything sort of felt like a third way like we made a movie about this dude black panther and now we can't use him anymore and what do we do with that and they found this other way and and uh you know what does shuri end up doing uh, you know, she doesn't need to be the ruler and also Black Panther. And so she found another way. And, all, you know, all of the like all of the things that happen, like getting this movie made couldn't be, well, we're just going to recast Black Panther. Like that was just never on the table. There there was no way that was ever going to be anything that anyone was going to seriously consider. So, you know, they couldn't do that. And they couldn't just and a thing. One of the small things I appreciated so much about this was that they didn't try to do one of those like recut footage or, um, you know, CGI him into something unnecessarily. Princess yeah, like, him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we, we didn't have uh, T'Challa pulling up in a in a Dodge Charger next to. Mbaku <laughs> yeah. And, like, like, yeah. I didn't, there was no, you know, Grand Moff T'Challa like, you know, staring at us from from <laughs> the depths of a CGI machine so like all of the like they they always found this third way to be able to do the thing you know Shuri at the end find finds a, a third way to exist with Namor she finds a third way to be Black Panther but doesn't necessarily have to rule and the movie found a third way to do the thing they needed to do and all of the the things about how things evolve throughout the film how everybody decides everything how everybody works with each other all ends up being kind of this third way and that's one of the things that I appreciated the most about all of it once I was once 
Cicero and I were done crying, um, was <laughs> that that there was that all of that happened, and and because of that, you can feel the love and the care and the the effort that everybody puts into it because you know Cicero, like you were saying like Letitia Wright did not sign up to be the main character in the Black Panther and just like Shuri did not ever sign up to be the Black Panther like that was never going to be her lot in life and that was exactly the same thing that happened to the actress and you know the movie we were supposed to have you know this is one of those things that people I can't argue against when people say maybe this is the darkest timeline is that we only got one movie with Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther, you know, one Black Panther movie with him as Black Panther. And, you know, he sprinkled in to other things. I mean, like, that's really, you know, my, my favorite thing in What If is that we get a little bit of him there for a little while. Um, and I cried through that, too. So those, like, all of those, like, all, all of the things about this were part of why I thought it was so interesting. And then I think that's part of why the third real fight scene stands out the way it does is because that's such a standard thing. And they took this standard thing and stuck it in this movie that is all about not doing the obvious thing. Mm -hmm. That's a really good point. Where there's that disconnect. Yeah, I think that's, the, I think, like, in, in the second time I watched it, uh, I think that was the thing that sat with me was like, isn't it interesting how they found all these, all of the, everybody has this other solution that was not the obvious solution to do the thing they needed to do. And, uh, and then it worked for everything except the third reel. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I don't know that boat. Watch out. Stuff, exciting stuff <laughs> happening on that boat. All right. Um, this has been a great conversation about a uh, movie that I enjoyed a lot for a lot of reasons except for the I didn't even get into the, the why the UN is meeting in a like a hotel conference room somewhere but <laughs> weird choice United but, Nations okay. airport Ramada yeah, yeah. yeah it's you know. a little weird but you know okay, someone whatever. leased the building during the staff they can't got, get out of the legal arrangement I, I got to riff on the boat I don't need to go too far deep into the hotel United Nations conference center uh, anyway thank you to all my panelists for being here to talk about Wakanda Forever Cicero Holmes thank you uh, Wakanda forever. Indeed. Lisa Schmeiser, thank you. Thank you for having me again. I really loved being on this podcast with everybody here. Hey, Kelly, come on. Thank you. I can be discreet. Is it the makeup? It's the wrong shade, isn't it? <laughs> no, no. It's the right shade. It's the right shade. It's fine. And why says too young. Thank you. I'd hang around longer, but I got to go uh, get my septum pierced. <laughs> and thanks to everybody out there. I know you all were waiting for us to talk about that big movie with all the special effects that involves blue people and lots and lots of water we did it we did it <laughs> yes it's, we did it we we found a we found a third the, this way is the, the water uh, oh, so good all right that's it <laughs> those are the jokes folks see you next time on the incomparable <laughs> bye, bye.